137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal 169. I am Sean, and with me, as always, is Preston. What's up, everybody? And Big Steven. 69. <laughs> Off to the races already. Here we go. 169 uh, how you guys, great, man. That's true. That's true. How you guys doing? Anything new or exciting? Yeah, I have a story here in a minute, but I'll let Steve go first. Uh, for me, oh. nothing really. I... I haven't really done much of anything since the last time we recorded. Still bummed out about not getting the new machine, but it'll be all right. And just chilling, listening to music, doing the thing. What about you, Preston? Yeah. What's your story, man? So, you know, I still got... Oh, I'm good. I'm good, guys. Don't worry about me. <laughs> yeah, fuck Sean. <laughs> fucking holding us up. Anyways... <laughs> Back to me. Um, so, you know, I've been dealing with this kidney stone. And, uh, you know. Right, how, uh, how is your penis? It's, well, <laughs> that's. They're called kidney stones, not penis stones. Yeah, well, let's, that's that's relevant to this story that I had to deal with. <laughs> they, uh-huh. they haven't evolved yet. I, I was at uh, I was at work today, and uh, um, a couple days ago I called my dad because I had ordered him a, um, a lot uh, a uh, not a laptop but a um tablet tablet that's the word order him a tablet uh for black friday because his was like really slow and he wanted something that had a bigger screen so he could read the words easier so i ordered it and then um i called him like sunday and i was like hey you know it's going to be shipped to the house in a couple days um and i'm in charge of all their finances so I always kind of have to remind him, like, whenever they tell me to get something, like, hey, on the credit card statement, like, that's what's going to be, you know, that's what that charge is going to be for. And <laughs> um, so we were talking for a second, and uh, he was like, well, I mean, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a week. And I'm like, well, I'm dealing with a kidney stone. And he's like, well, God damn it, why didn't you fucking call? And I'm like, because I, I didn't want you guys to worry. I'm like, this is like my fifth kidney stone. So we bullshitted for a minute, and then like every day after, he keeps calling me in the morning. Uh, how you how, how you doing today? Or is your kidney stone okay? And, and so today at work, he he called because he got the tablet in, and he was just amazed at the Black Friday deal because it came with like a charging dock station. Well, this is better than I expect. How much did you spend on this? And I'm like. It's like dad. It was like fifty five <laughs> bucks, and he's like, oh, that's a hell of a deal, hell of a deal. He's like, ah. So, uh, how's that kidney problem you got going on? You still got that kidney <laughs> stone? And I'm like, yeah, I haven't passed it yet, Dad. And he's like, um, so, I mean, everything's okay, though. I mean, you're peeing fine. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm concerned. Because remember that one time that uh, you had that kidney stone and I had to pick you up to take you to the hospital and you're laying in your front driveway because your ex-wife was a bitch about it? And yes, <laughs> Dad, I remember that. And he's like, I just, I don't want you to have to go through that again. And he's like, you sure? I mean, it's not hurting or anything. And I'm like, well, in the morning when I get up, Father, it hurts. He's like, uh, so you have that issue. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, that that issue that you get with your penis <laughs> in the morning. And I'm like, Dad, what are you talking about? He's like, they call it uh, bladder dick. 
I'm like, what? <laughs> bladder? <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, you know, because your bladder is full and it causes your dick to get a little bit bigger. I'm like, Dad, are you talking about morning wood? He's like, I don't know, probably. He's like, uh, so you're peeing okay? And then you hear my mom in the background, tell him not to drink the energy drinks, John. <laughs> So yeah, sage being, advice. Yeah, yeah. Sage advice. So being thirty, Shit, yeah, me and your mom both were saying. Yeah, that. so being uh, thirty six years old, I finally had to have the the morning wood conversation with my seventy eight year adorable. old father. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, to to be fair, your dad has been busy getting shot in the head, um, surviving Vietnam, yeah, getting stung by a thousand bees, raising your brother, yeah. <laughs> and countless other fucking calamities. So I mean, if you forgot Wait. to talk to you about morning wood, we'll give him a pass. On his tablet, do you think like on his search history he typed in bladder dick? <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope it's his profile when he signs into the actual tablet. It's just bladder dick. Yeah. So sound medical advice oh. from Big John Wiener. Boys, watch out for that bladder dick in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of our overall health, I just got to have two Q-tips shoved up my nose today. Um, and I'm going to tell you all this. When you get tested for COVID, like the the full-on, like, real test, not like the rapid test, but the real not test. Not the Dollar Tree. Oh, my God. That shit is horrible. Yeah, so here. I'm pretty sure she touched the back of my brain. Yeah, it's not like Not the bottom part, it's, the back. It's like being you, mummified. Did you, did you tear up? Dude, yeah, she's like... Uh, because you do the drive through thing, and they're like, okay, roll your window yeah. down. Here's your packet. Here's your password. And now I'm going to insert this into your nose. And she showed me how far it was. And I, I quivered a little bit because it was like five, six inches. And then she says, I got to put it up your nose, both nostrils. Um, it will be very uncomfortable. You're going to want to cough. You might want to sneeze. Just make sure you have your mouth open. Breathe through your mouth. And I mean. What, if, what happens was, if you do it, cough or sneeze when that thing's up your nose? Don't know. Body bag, I guess. Body bag, you know, shit. Lobotomy? <laughs> you get a lobotomy, Ice dude. pick lobotomy? Yeah, I don't know, but it was so uncomfortable and just so odd and awkward. And for like the next two hours, I had that feeling in my sinuses that I just like huffed a bunch of matches that burned out. Yeah. And dude. It was dirty. Imagine, oh. imagine being a child and having to go through that. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, I was a child today. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy for us as adults, but a child, that's got to be fucking so scary. Well, for yeah. uh, children, they can test your blood and they can test your saliva. So for most kids, they don't have to go that far up there. Oh, really? But, okay. Yeah. But for being an adult, they expect you not to be a pussy. So they, you know, give you the, the old Egyptian and shove it right up in there. <laughs> the old Egyptian. <laughs> I like how you called the the mummy. Dude, there's no way. Yeah, there's no way. Like I don't know. Oh it boy, sucks. It it's sucks. Rough. I've not had to get one yet. I've not been exposed uh, to that degree, so and I haven't had any symptoms. But the minute the moment I do, or I'm in that high risk, then I will do my due diligence. It's yeah. It's uh, it's kind of heart stopping for a minute, um, folks. I am currently in a quarantine myself. Um, you, oh, we're not, not going to kick it tomorrow? Are we supposed to? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, could, but it has be suits. highly irresponsible. <laughs> Walter and Jesse. Yeah, right. I mean, you can come to my window. <laughs> oh, it was heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking because when I, I drove past the testing site and had to do a UE at a nursing home, and I saw a woman with a lawn chair sitting outside of a window 
having some visiting time with a, a loved one. And I, I so badly wanted to honk my horn and just like, you know, give them a big thumbs up and just say nice things to them. You know, you're doing the right thing. You're doing, you know, you're doing good, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Good for you. And it was real sobering for a second. And it just reminded me why I'm going to get in line and have a cotton swab shoved up my nose because I've had a fever for two days now, 100.8 yesterday and 100.4 today. Um, so here's to hoping um, I don't have COVID, you know. Um, I was actually supposed to go, yes, I was off yesterday, and I was supposed to go to my parents' house to have my dad help me change the brakes on the back of my car. And I was supposed to do it at 3 o'clock. And at like 2.30, um, I had a temperature. And it was really ironic because Shayla and I went to Target, and we had our masks on and everything else. And she's like, you know what? We should probably buy a thermometer just in case. Like a nice, you know, high dollar uh, touchless thermometer. And I said, no, we don't need a thermometer. And then I thought, you know what? No, you're right. Let's get one. And literally the first thing we scanned is my fucking fever. So I called my dad. He's like, hey, you coming over, son? And I said, dad, I can't. Like legitimately just got a fever 30 seconds ago. And uh, I could tell he's bummed out because I haven't seen my folks a lot through all this mess. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, like you said, Steve, doing due diligence and being responsible. But uh so yeah, it's a it's a little nervous whenever you're sitting there thinking like, holy shit, what? Is your what mom freaking out? They're being pretty cool, and I I hope she really is being very calm because I've got kind of just a nonchalant demeanor of like, well, I'm gonna quarantine and keep you posted. Yeah, but well, you know her. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine being a parent. Like they've texted Shayla and I both um, throughout the days and and checking on us and stuff. And luckily, Shayla doesn't have the fever or any of that kind of stuff. She had a headache yeah, yesterday. <clears throat> I've had a headache, excruciating headache yesterday morning. Um, I just wanted to sleep all day. And then that freaking fever. So we'll see. We'll see what's you, going on. Uh, I should know. You should put your dad at days. ease and give him a call and say, Dad, can you explain to me what bladder dick is? Yeah. <laughs> it's like when your dick fills up like a water balloon. <laughs> water balloon. The super soaker. No. Yeah, no, knowing my dad, he'd have a clever way to get rid of it in record time. <laughs> but yeah, there you go, folks. Um, just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. I'm pretty, pretty confident I don't have it. But again, that is wishful thinking. So we shall see. The show. Well, coming back to the show, guys, this is part two of our exorcism series. And last time we got together, we talked about the two early, early stories that actually inspired the exorcism, but we never got into the actual story that inspired Mr. William Peter Blatty, Blady to write The Exorcist. So we will get to that here in just a minute. But first, as luck would have it, a news story just popped right up in the middle of my feed about six hours ago. And <laughs> we need to get that sound by. Um, and it could not have been more on the nose for this episode. So from the Irish Examiner, this posted 10-9 of 2020. Claire Mann, who claims he performed many exorcisms on ex-girlfriend, cleared of assault charges. An East Clare man who told the Guardier, that's the fancy word for the Irish police, mm. that he carried out a number of exorcisms on his then-girlfriend has been cleared of assaulting her. 
At Killallo District Court sitting in Innis, 48-year-old Shane Gibbons told the court that the injuries caused to his then-girlfriend may have been caused by demonic possession or may have been caused by self-harm. Remember, he's Irish. Oh. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, offensive or not offensive, you make the call. No, it's not offensive. I'm Irish, so right. You don't sound like it, numb nuts. <laughs> what are you, point three percent fucking Irish? I'm no. Irish, so I can talk. It. <laughs> all right, give it a shot. I mean, I'm like eighty percent Irish, so <clears throat> I'll be all right. Right, just not the audible part. Right. Um, no, fuck it. I can't do Irish, anyways. I'm too drunk for this <laughs> shit. So. <laughs> Wise decision. Yeah. Okay, you're fine. But they were not caused by me. That's how he's going to talk? Yeah. Okay, your choice. Mr. Gibbons also, who is a general manager at a firm in Bali Naglaroff, Ogden, Nalo, and East Clare, denied the charge of assault causing harm to his then-girlfriend at his home that took place on August 17, 2019. In dismissing the charge... Judge Patrick Durkin stated that Mr. Gibbons' defense and version of events concerning the occult, exorcisms, and devilish possession should have been explored more in depth by the state. Judge Durkin also said he found the complainant to be less than fulsome under cross-examination and stated that she remained silent when questioned by himself and Duroff Hossett, the solicitor for Mr. Gibbons. When concerning the previous explained injuries she sustained, where the complainant had allowed Mr. Gibbons to take photos of the injuries after the supposed assault. Mr. Hassett read out to the court a text sent by the complainant in the past to Mr. Gibbons. The text message read, I am so glad. I knew I needed exorcism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're keeping it. We're keeping it. We did. We're all good. <laughs> She's a fucking leprechaun, and we're keeping it. <laughs> Under cross-examination from Mr. Hassett, the woman denied she was possessed by demons, and when asked to comment on the text message, she told the court that what took place wasn't an exorcism at all. I say, I say, there are so many conflicting and unsatisfactory aspects of this case I am in the prosecution and investigation that I am not satisfied to convict, and I hereby dismiss that charge. Judge Durkin found that Mr. Gibbons did hold the woman by the shoulder on the night that he stated the exorcist was done, but there was no intention to cause any harm to her by Mr. Gibbons. In her evidence, the county limerick woman stated that Mr. Gibbons flipped her onto her back and then he pinned her down on the bed in his bedroom during the early hours of August 17, 2019. The woman alleged that Mr. Gibbons continued to shake her and when asking how long the shaking went on, she stated, Forever. Forever. <laughs> the woman said that her upper body was bruised along with bruising to her thighs, wrists, and bruising to her face and her neck. She said that Mr. Gibbons left the bedroom, and she told the court that she then dialed 999, which is the equivalent to our 911. Or the real Mark of the Beast, just saying. <laughs> Ooh, snaparuga. It all comes together. Until that night, the two had been together for three years, but the woman said their relationship ended that evening after the event took place. In evidence, 
Garda Darren McLaughlin said that when the Guardier arrived to the home, the complainant was panicked and in a very distressed state. He said that all she wanted to do was to get away from Mr. Gibbons' home and back to her own house. So, the Guardier took her away. Garda McLaughlin said the complainant allowed Guardier to take photos of her body, her bruises and her injuries, and those were the photos shown as evidence in the court. Garden McLaughlin said that when Mr. Gibbons first interviewed concerning the assault allegation in October 2019, Mr. Gibbons admitted to shaking his ex-partner by the shoulder, but only stated he couldn't understand how she got the other marks. He denied assaulting the woman. Later, when presented with photos of her injuries, Mr. Gibbon provided a prepared statement in December 2019 to the police containing his claim that his then-partner, was demonically possessed, and that he had carried out several different exorcisms on her. In the statement to Gardier, Mr. Gibbons stated that he showed Garda McLaughlin a video of him performing an exorcism on the complainant that had occurred back in 2016. He told the police, Oh, laddie, it was an example of many exorcisms I had to perform on her since. (laughs) There we go. Mr. Gibbons stated that he also provided to police a picture of his partner being attacked by a demonic entity also in 2016. He stated the photo showed scrape marks to her buttocks and a scrape mark on her ribs from the attack by the demonic entity. Mr. Gibbons told the police that from the onset of their relationship, it was clear to him that his then-partner, quote, had a terrible issue in the form of a high-level demonic possession. He would go on to say, This exceptional evil entity was using her own abilities for its own purpose. It was able to perform the task and use her abilities for dark purposes. It could take control of her at will and engage me in conversations, sometimes in Latin. And when she was feeling low, depressed, or anxious, she was particularly vulnerable to demonic influences. The effect of the influences can be extremely physical in nature. The entities can move objects, make objects disappear, like phones, keys, holy medals and crosses, and even have a grasp on technology, like when they made her send me text. It's just so wonderful that both of your Irish accents just go straight to He stated that once the entity took over his ex-partner... She can be pulled from the bed and physically assaulted for hours. And then he also said, When I was with her, I was able to prevent this from escalating. But when I was not, she frequently suffered considerable bruising, biting, and scratch marks. When I considered my family, they expressed considerable concern that if there were any of these entities were successful in causing her death, that the finger would inevitably point at me. Asked by Judge Durkin to comment on whether Mr. Gibbons' exorcism video was real or not, Garda McLaughlin had said, There is something there when viewing the video. It is very, very strange indeed, and you do see her scraping herself. Mr. Hassett stated in the video, the complainant appears to be in a trance and is incessantly scratching at her wrists. Judge Durkin asked Garda McLaughlin, Do you accept this woman has been a subject of possession by demonic force, and in context of the possession, were the injuries in this case perhaps self-inflicted? 
In response, Gardner McLaughlin had said, Personally, I wouldn't believe in that stuff, but it is very strange indeed, this case. Gardner McLaughlin stated the photos of the complainant's injuries from 2016 and from August last year, quote, would show similar injuries. In direct evidence, Mr. Gibbons denied any assault in August 2019, and he responded, Oh, laddie, when there was no assault, this was, there was just me holding her by her shoulders to bring her to sense. I did not push her, I did not hit her in any way. Mr. Gibbons stated that he didn't mention the... Ben- <laughs> like fucking saying, oh, laddie, makes it better. <laughs> I love it. I love it too much. That is the charm that makes this show. <laughs> Mr. Gibbons stated that he didn't mention the demonic possession of his ex-partner in his first interview with Gardy, Gardier because it felt like a very personal thing to talk about. I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to be sitting here today talking about it. Laddie. Laddie. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gibbons told the court that at one stage he got a parish priest to say a prayer over his ex-girlfriend when they were still together. And in direct evidence, Mr. Gibbons denied any assault in the August 2019 event, stating, But there was no assault. There was just me holding her by the shoulders to bring her to senses. I did not push her. I did not hit her in any way. Mr. Gibbons told the court, that at one stage he got a parish priest to say a prayer over the complainant when they were still together. I know she didn't speak Latin, but I got text messages in Latin from her. Later during his cross-examination from Inspector Aidan Queenie, Mr. Gibbons went on to say, I had been assaulted myself on occasions when she was in a trance state. I have had to hold her down and fend her off with knives, keys, anything I didn't... Phone the Grandier because I didn't feel it was her. Inspector Queenie told Mr. Gibbons that he has presented a completely bizarre and unbelievable tale of the events. But in reply, Mr. Gibbons would go on to say, Well, laddie, that depends on your viewpoints. Asked a comment by Mr. Hazard on the unexplained bruising on her body in the photos that Mr. Gibbons had taken previously, the complainant had said, I don't know what caused the bruising. And in the end, Mr. Gibbon, through a lawful court hearing, was released of all charges of abuse against his ex-girlfriend. Garbage. Isn't that fucking wild? So basically, yeah. this, dude, this dude was keeping documentation. He's he's masochist. He's gross. He's keeping pictures yeah. of the abuse he's doing to this girl. And then uses that evidence... To back up his claim that he's given her an exorcism mm-hmm. as a defense. That's fucking bizarre. I can't believe this judge fell for that. That's sad. Or and, yeah, and all the it's, police. It's wild. I mean, it's, like, it's disgusting. Diff- it's a different culture. So, I mean, maybe that kind of defense is more believable. Yeah. You I know, mean, in parts of Europe. I don't know. It's uh, it's hard to say, but. Because well, they're, they're really into Catholicism, right? In, in our, yeah, our, I think so. Ireland. I believe that's uh, almost like yeah. in, in Irish, in Irish, like, in Irish land. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> well, guys, American. we want to go ahead and drop this. The National Domestic Violence Hotline here in the U.S. is one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. That also will read out as one eight hundred seven nine nine safe. 
and their website is www.thehotline.org. Both lines are open 24-7, and both are free and confidential. Oh, God, that was great. That was great. <sighs> Too good. I did not think it would be nearly as humorous. Hopefully the Because the actual quotes were not funny at all. <laughs> hey, so just to, just to show you guys that I that I am Irish, I, I sent you my 23andMe report on a text message. <laughs> oh, so. did you? Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Is that how you cover your ass from being offensive? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now, the real question is, Preston, the real question, the real question is, Presto, do I include this in the Instagram and Facebook posts so people can also see? Hell yeah, dude. County Cork, baby. <laughs> Northwestern European, British and Irish, 55.1%. Yeah. You said you were 80%. Well, you know, I was, I was doing math. I'm sorry. Never, never been one for facts. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So the last episode... Damn, puberty. (laughs) So in the last episode, we started talking about the inspiration behind the book The Exorcism. And we told you about the possessions of the Louviers and the Ludan. But we never got to the real meat of what this world-famous story was based on. So here we go. This will be the story of the possession of Roland Doe. A.K.A. <laughs> Ronald. <laughs> What's so funny? Rolling dough, dog. Rolling dough, baby. Oh, fat stacks. The possession of Rolling Doe, A.K.A. Ronald Hunkler, the boy who the book and the movie are based off of. Now, in 1971, author William Peter Blady, Blady Blady, wrote his best-selling novel, The Exorcist, a book that took the world by an unholy storm and stayed on the bestseller list for 54 weeks, over a year. Wow. And as we know, in 1973, it went on to spawn, of course, one of the very best and most controversial horror films of all time. Now, as I'm finding out by reading this book, the movie took, you know, several artistic liberties by including certain things that didn't occur in the actual original uh, situation. Supposed true story. Like how they turned the original main character from a 13-year-old boy into a 12-year-old girl named Reagan. The movie's story also took place in a completely different area. Instead of Washington, D.C., where the real story began, the film takes place in Georgetown, which is somewhat true to life since Ronald was hospitalized for a week in Georgetown in late February of 1949. But even though they took some liberties, the scratches, the shouting, the spitting red scratches on the skin, the cursing that mimicked what the original victim had experienced were all in the film. But the boy's head didn't spin around 360 degrees like Reagan's did. And dissimilarly, Ronald never vomited up green goo, and during his many tantrums, never once did he use a bloody crucifix to masturbate. Those were all ad-libbed. But what really did happen Let's start things off with a grieving child distraught over the death of his favorite aunt. The story, true story that is, of The Exorcist begins in the late 1940s in suburban Washington, D.C. with a family by the name of the Hunklers and their 13-year-old son believed to be named Ronald. And a small disclaimer here, guys. Some stories refer to the boy being named Roland, 
while others believe the true name was later to be found out to be Ronald. I was going to ask why you made that. I thought that was a mistake earlier. I'm glad I didn't say that. Yeah, no, it's it's bizarre because most stories, the story is called the story of Roland Doe, which was a pseudonym for the actual real name. So people believe the real name is Ronald Hunkler. Or is it? And I find it strange, too, because the boy's name was Ronald. The girl's name in the movie is Reagan. Is that a direct connection? I couldn't find the answer out. Or is it really Ronald Weasley? <laughs> Mr. Potter. <laughs> Ronald was despondent over the loss of his beloved Aunt Harriet, a spiritualist who taught him many things, including how to use a Ouija board. In early January 1949, shortly after Harriet's death, Ronald began to experience strange things. He said he would hear scratching sounds coming from the floors and the walls in his bedroom. Water would drip inexplicably from pipes in the walls. But most troubling of all, his mattress would suddenly begin to move on its own. He became disturbed, and Ronald's family sought the help of every expert they knew. The Hunklers consulted doctors, psychiatrists, and their local Lutheran minister, but they were no help. The minister suggests that the family seek the assistance of the Jesuits. So Father E. Albert Hughes, the local Catholic priest, asked his superior's permission to perform an exorcism on the boy in late February of 1949. However, Hughes stopped the rite when Ronald broke off a piece of spring from the mattress that he'd been strapped down to and lashed the priest across the shoulders. A few days later, red scratches began to appear on the boy, and one of the scratches formed the word Lewis, which indicated to Ronald's mother that the family should then go to St. Louis, where the Hunkelers had relatives in order to find a way to save their son, because it was clear the boy needed much more help. So a cousin of the family was attending St. Louis University at the time of Ronald's struggles, so she put the Hunklers in touch with Father Walter H. Holleron and Reverend William Bodern. After consulting with the university's president, these two Jesuits agreed to perform an exorcism on the young boy with the help of several assistants. The men gathered at the residence of Roanoke Drive in an early March morning in 1949. There, the exorcist witnessed scratching on the boy's body and the mattress moving violently. These were the same types of things that had happened in the home previously during the first exorcism when it had failed. Amid these bizarre happenings, Bo Dern and Holleran, according to their reports, noticed a pattern in Roland's behavior. He was calm and normal in the mornings and the afternoons. But at night, after settling in for bed, he would exhibit strange behavior including screaming and wild outbursts. Clearly, details that identify this as the true story of the exorcist. Ronald would enter a trance-like state and start making sounds in a guttural voice. The priest supposedly also witnessed objects flying around the room in the boy's presence and noticed that he would react violently when he saw any sacred object presented by the attending Jesuits. At one point during the week-long ordeal, Bo Dern reportedly saw an X appear scratched in Roland's chest, which the priest believes signified the number 10. 
In another incident, a pitchfork-shaped pattern of red lines moved from the boy's thigh and snaked down towards his ankle. These types of things happened every night for more than a month, and everyone witnessed the events believing Ronald was possessed by now ten different demons. And the battle for Ronald's soul raged on. The two priests never gave up as they continued the exorcism night after night. On the evening of March 20th, the exorcism reached an unhealthy new level. Ronald had urinated all over his bed and began shouting and cursing at the priests. Now Ronald's parents had had enough. They took him to Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis for more serious treatments. But finally, on April 18th, a miracle occurred in Ronald's room at the Alexian Brothers Hospital. It was the Monday after Easter, and Ronald woke up with seizures. He yelled at the priest, saying that Satan would always be with him. The priest laid only holy relics, crucifixes, and medals and rosaries on top of the boy. At 10.45 p.m. that evening, the attending priest called St. Michael to expel Satan from Ronald's body. They shouted at Satan, saying that St. Michael would battle him for Ronald's soul. And seven minutes later, Ronald came out of the trance and simply said, He's gone. The boy recounted how he had a vision that St. Michael vanquished Satan on a great battlefield. There were no more documented instances of strange occurrences or behavior after that, and Ronald went on to live a completely normal life after the ordeal from that moment forward. No one would have ever known about what was referred to as the exorcism of Roland Doe, nor would they have possibly ever become the true story inspiring the exorcist, if not for an article in the Washington Post, which reported in 1949, albeit with only a few details, that priests had indeed been called to perform an exorcist on a boy 13 years old. The case wouldn't make headlines again for more than two decades. And from here, things finally settled down. Following the semi-famous exorcism of Roland Doe, Ronald and his family moved back to the East Coast. Ronald went on to meet a young lady that he later married and started a family with, and he named his firstborn son after the saint who he believed to have saved his own soul. If Ronald is still alive today, he would be right around 80 years old. Bo Dern, on the other hand, died in 1983 after serving the Catholic Church for decades. Holeran lived until 2005 when he unfortunately died of cancer. He was the last surviving member of the main team that performed the exorcisms of Roland Doe. The room in Alexian Brothers Hospital was boarded up and sealed away following the exorcism. The entire facility was torn down in 1978, and the house where the family lived in Maryland is now an empty lot after it was abandoned in the 1960s. And as an epilogue to the tale of Ronald Hunkeler, in 1993, author Thomas B. Allen wrote a nonfiction book titled Possessed, The True Story of an Exorcism. In writing the book, which relied heavily on Holeran's detailed accounts, where Allen, the book's author, claims to have uncovered the true identity of Roland Doe, but it's said that he would never reveal the boy's true name. And so in his book, the family is referred to as the Manaheims. 
and supposedly the cozy house on Roanoke Drive sold to new owners in 2005 for $165,000. I think the author's and, full of shit. He don't know the dude's real name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it's hard to say. It could be one of those things where they're like, ooh, you know what? I've got the truth in my book. The true story. Yeah. Fuck William Peter Blatty. Yeah, no shit. <sighs> interesting so story, though, man. It It is. It's interesting. It's short. It's sweet. And I think, you know, it's just the right story to inspire such a movie as The Exorcism. Cool. And we talk a lot on our... Exor- uh, we talk a lot about The Exorcist and our roundtables with John and Leslie. So in the show notes, I'll make a note of which two episodes to listen to, just in case you're kind of jumping on the wagon for the first time here. And we're going to go ahead and cut this episode a little short right now, just because what we're about to uh, get into for the third episode, uh, there's really no great way to start that and then transition to, uh, you know, a separate episode. So we've got a real, real fun treat planned for you guys. So just uh, stay tuned for that. Otherwise, you guys got anything else to uh, jump into on this one? Nope. I do not. All right, well, as we begin to plug things, I would like to thank Preston for getting our YouTube channel back up and running. Yeah, man. We've got tons of episodes loading back on that, so if you know people who don't listen to podcasts through podcast apps or you are more comfortable you know, listening to us on YouTube, we're back, baby. Look, we got 59 subscribers. We're one away from 60, so if you're listening and you're a YouTuber, click on that page, hit subscribe, get the updated episodes. And, uh, you know, I put some visual effects in those episodes. Um, it's just an amazing way to listen to the podcast if you're not a podcast app user. So, yeah, there you go. And 59 listeners, I mean, that's a number that's almost doubled in just the last like week. 59 people who are not our friends. Let's just point that out. 47 (laughs) of them are Russian bots. Yeah. Hey, that's all right. Numbers still count, Steve. <laughs> they love the paranormal, the Russians. Wait, wait, hold yeah. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because one of the listeners who we don't know, let me scroll back yeah, up here. I, I got it right here. True Blue Insanity. Let's give a shout out to True Blue Insanity. Yeah. He says, they, I should say, they say, holy fucking shit. I thought you guys like died, <laughs> but glad y'all back. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, us too, True Blue Insanity. We are glad we back as well. Yeah. That's awesome. Hell yeah. And while you're at it, guys, please, on iTunes, give us a review. You know, if you like it as much as we hope you do, give us five. But please give us a rating, drop a review for us. That just helps us get more and more exposure to people, helps us climb the chart. Um, I, for one, am not disillusioned to uh, the fact that we are just a home-cooked podcast. But by God... You guys have proved that uh, we're doing something right, and we sure appreciate that. Yeah. And please send in those mother-loving listener stories. We're getting a couple already. I've got an interview with somebody, hopefully tomorrow night, who wants to give us an actual you know, first-hand account. So if you guys want, please leave us a voicemail. We've got that Google phone number up and running, 913-662-3144. You can leave up to a three-minute long recording. If your story is longer than that, just call right back, and I can piece things together into one long story. But we would certainly love to hear your personal paranormal stories. And also, we're uh, thinking about dropping another AMA Ask Me 
anything. Is that AUA, Ask Us Anything? Something like that. So, yeah, uh, look out for that. We're going to drop a couple posts on the uh, social medias for that to get your guys' questions. But please feel free to write in any questions you guys have. Send us a DM, a PM, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. That does it. Steve, what do you got, buddy? Yeah, check us out on the Instagram, PXL Paranormal. On there for all the visual aids and all that stuff. Uh, Facebook, Pixelate Paranormal Podcast. We post the uh, post the episodes, do all the share things, all that stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Check out the rest of the shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Please check out Amazingly Baka if you're into anime. Check out Mark Solo Show, Pixelated Sausage. Check out his Attack of the Backlog. Please, if you haven't yet, listen to 13 Nightmares. That is our sister show where we review and talk about horror movies. We've got some new episodes on the way. That one's kind of a uh, we record shows as we can kind of project, so it's not necessarily a set day when episodes drop, but we got some more stuff getting ready to uh, come on down the pipeline very soon with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Presto, what do you got, man? And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard... If you want to grow the best leprechaun-looking beard that you can grow that will allow you to have a crappy Irish accent, check out BigDopsBeardBomb.com <laughs> and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order and get yourself some scents like Dundee Cedar, Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco, Fresh Citrus, Mint. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important, guys. We love Big Dobbs. He is a very, very good friend of the show. Um, it's important right now as, as Christmas kind of comes around the corner. If you can, do what you can to shop local. Buy stuff from your local artist friends, your local artisans, your local creatives, your local makers. You know, just a couple things here and there at least would definitely help them out. It makes them feel really great when they put their heart and soul into making something so special. It goes for food, you know, too. Like a, Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you guys, uh, you don't want to cook anything, maybe order your pumpkin pie from a local baker. Mm -hmm. That might not be a bad idea. Or it's like any kind of local restaurant, man. I always try to, if I want to get anything, like Wichita Fish Company. Shout out, fuck it, shout out to Wichita Fish Company. They they moved moved closer to my house. Shit. I love that. I love that lunch special. You heard? (laughs) <laughs> Hell yeah, Shayla and I last year were in that rare instance where we didn't have anywhere to go for Christmas dinner, so we did the uh, Christmas story thing, and we went and got Lee's Chinese to go. Oh, I love Lee's, dude. Dude, they, they really are. If you're in the Wichita area or nearby, you gotta go check out Lee's Chinese, get you that sweet, no, shoot, what was it called? Get that hot and sour chicken. Mm-hmm. Mm. Extra sauce, boy. Oh, boy, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a little known fact right there. Get it about medium spicy, unless you want it super spicy, but <laughs> hot damn. All right, let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. <laughs> I had Lee's last night, sucker. Awesome. Oh, I made it into three meals. I had it for dinner, and then I had a second plate, and then I finished it off around 1.30 in the morning. You know why, boys? Because I'm in a fever dream, and I couldn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. In the Wichita area, if you're near or around, please stop on down to uh, Pawnee and Seneca's CD Trade Post. Stop by and see our good friend Leslie. Say hi to the gang. Pick up some movies if you like, some Blu-rays, DVDs, video games, all that good stuff. And otherwise, if that is it, we will catch you guys all next time for a very bizarre German tale of a possession. Ooh. Right, German? 
Yep. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Until then, cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that pixelated paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal your guide to the unusual and the strange.